there were many times throughout this fight where the term heart of a champion entered my mind. Mm, yeah. Many, many times. Because Muhammad Ali stood in there and took punches to his gut from Joe Frazier for 14 rounds. Punch after punch after punch. And the heart of the champion isn't necessarily that you win every fight that you're in. Ali lost. I think I think he ended up with five losses in his career. He lost, you know, more than than Floyd Mayweather. And, and comparatively, he lost more than other greats in other sports. He lost a lot of fights. But the heart of the champion that he displayed in this fight wasn't necessarily that he was going to go out there and dominate. It was going to that he, you can come out here and punch me all you want, and I'm not going to stop. Mm -hmm. 15 rounds, and here is round one. Will, we have come to the moment of truth, which is the season finale of season one of Sports Rewind. Mm -hmm. It's been a long and arduous journey <laughs> for us. I believe we did our first, we recorded our first episode of this in June. So it's taken us six 2019. months. 2019, we are now December 20th at the recording of this. Six months, an episode, less than an episode each month. And we have... This will be our first one in a month and a half. Mm -hmm. Would you like to tell the listeners why that is so? The main reason would have been the recent birth of my child. <laughs> Your first child. <laughs> my that. first and only child. So understandably, this was put this project was kind of put on the back burner for a little while. Shout out to Gracie. You gave, your wife, Shelby, gave birth mm -hmm. to a beautiful baby girl. Yep. Grace. Mm -hmm. Happy, healthy. Happy, healthy. Mom, happy, healthy. Yep. I think all the listeners are a little disappointed that it's <laughs> taken this long. But here we are nonetheless, season finale. It's been so much fun doing this. We've done every sport. We're doing boxing today to kind of cap everything off. But yep. we've done every major sport. Uh, it's been so much fun to watch all these games again, to revisit the moments that we've loved, that we watched growing up, and ones that we, even we didn't watch um, to learn about for and watch for the first time in the full context of the game. <laughs> But even with the, all those, most of them were, were moments that we had heard of or seen highlights of often. Mm -hmm. That is not the case for what we're doing today. Not at all. When I watched this fight, we're doing the Thrilla in Manila today, which is Ali, Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier 3, their third fight. Each of them had won a fight up to this point, and this was their third, the rubber match. I had never seen a single clip of anything Me from either. this fight in my entire life. Maybe pictures I had seen, but I had never seen a highlight, a, a highlight video, a clip, a single punch of this fight thrown. Had no inkling, any idea of how this fight went. Yeah, <laughs> at I, didn't, all. I had no idea either. The only thing I knew about this fight was its nickname, the Thrilla in Manila. Huh? That is all I knew. <laughs> Me too. I mean, like, I, I mean, I. Up until maybe a couple of years ago, I couldn't even told could couldn't even have told you who Ali Muhammad fought. Ali was fighting I in agree. the Thrill in Same. Manila. This was just completely foreign territory. Yep. This happened on depending on where you were in the world. That happened in the Philippines. So there it was October 1st. Here it would have been September 30th when this fight was happening. 
1975. Mm-hmm. So we're about, I mean, we're 34 years ago yep. at this point. And obviously so much has changed, but probably the biggest thing that's changed and those, the most important thing that I can tell you in terms of the context of this fight is that this was a time when the heavyweight boxing champion of the world was probably the most famous person on the planet. The NBA was not what it was today. I mean, this is 75. This is pre-Magic, pre-Bird, before the NBA had really taken off and was anything. The NFL, same, was still in, in, in a period of really growth, and it was a baby in terms of how long it had been around for. But boxing had been around for a long time, and the stars of the boxing world were the stars of the sports world. Mm-hmm. And that is not really true today. I don't know. Not at all true. Especially now that Floyd Mayweather has supposedly retired. There aren't many people who can name a lot of boxers. Mm -hmm. Particularly, there hasn't been a really noteworthy heavyweight boxer in a really long time. In a really long time. And this was coming from a time when boxing was everything. Mm -hmm. It was everything there was, was boxing. It was the most popular sport probably in America or close to it around that time. And that just by itself was a stark contrast from what boxing is today. Yep which is a dying sport, relatively unknown. The biggest stars, I mean, like I said, the biggest star the sport's seen in the last decade is Floyd Mayweather, who's now retired. Next to only Teddy Atlas, our boy. (laughs) The ESPN ESPN personality, I believe, Teddy Atlas. (laughs) Yes. So let's get into a little bit of the the preamble to this fight. Like I mentioned before, it was the third fight of Mm -hmm. theirs. And even leading up to the first fight, which was dubbed the fight of the century before it happened. That was in Madison Square Garden. Happened in Madison Square Garden. There was a lot that went into this. So they, Frazier and Ali were pretty good friends in early on in their careers. Muhammad Ali, as we know, was stripped of his title for refusing to fight in the Vietnam War. Yep. And subsequently lost his his, uh, license to fight as well. You and I both, in preparation for this podcast, watched an old HBO documentary about this fight Mm -hmm. that helped kind of educate us on the the cultural circumstances at the time. And even, you know, to listen to people who know more about boxing than we do. Yeah. Which, you know, full disclosure, you and I, boxing is probably pretty low on our list of sports of that we, first of all, watch and be our knowledgeable. Yes. So this is going to be kind of a rocky, you know, path anyway. But this, this helped us, I think, prepare for this and in that documentary there's a funny story told where after Ali had lost his license Joe Frazier kind of became the heavyweight champion of the world by default Mm -hmm. you know because he couldn't be Um, and during that time when Ali couldn't fight couldn't earn any money um, Joe Frazier lent him a bunch of money yeah in an effort to help him get his license back Uh Joe Frazier even went as far as to travel to Washington DC and spoke to President Richard Nixon to help him get his his license reinstated for a lot of reasons, I'm sure, but not the least of which was because I'm sure that he felt he couldn't really be the champion of the world unless he beat Muhammad Ali. No, and it's funny that he should feel that way because even after beating Muhammad Ali, he still felt like he couldn't he couldn't be the champ because Ali wouldn't allow it to be so. Ali wouldn't say he he beat me. Ali would say he didn't win the fight, and so in, Frazier goes through all of this trouble to help Ali get back into boxing just so that he can beat him, which he does in Madison Square Garden. But Ali disputes the result, and the public voice sides with Ali, like they most often did. And so I think that, I mean, this was a monkey that Frazier couldn't get off his back, no matter what he seemed to do. It was kind of an Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson sort of situation Uh where 
Mike Tyson was obviously in prison for all those years, and Holyfield was the champion of the world, but everyone knew that he couldn't be unless he had beaten Mike Tyson. Mm -hmm. And that was exactly what was happening here. Yep. Like you mentioned, they, their first fight was in Madison Square Garden, which was dubbed the fight of the century. And it was a fight that Joe Frazier really dominated. And mm -hmm. that's funny to hear because we think of Muhammad Ali as like this invincible boxer fighter. I mean, he lost several times throughout his career, but this was a fight that Joe Frazier dominated. He knocked Ali down twice and won by unanimous decision. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was very little doubt, I don't think, as to who won that fight. Yeah. Like you said, though, the culture, you know, society was behind Ali. Mm -hmm. And one way that I had really thought about it was, you know, maybe this is controversial in a way. Muhammad Ali was like Colin Kaepernick. Okay. And Joe Frazier was like Jay-Z. Unlike, unlike the way that they've had their little dispute now with the NFL. Yeah. Where Jay-Z was working with the NFL to try and promote and better things, whereas Colin Kaepernick was on pretty much the, the other side of that. Mm -hmm. That was basically what these two were. Members of the same ideology, let's say. But one, you know, this is what, a quote from Muhammad Ali about Joe Frazier before the first fight. He called him an Uncle Tom. Yep. He said, quote, he's the other type Negro. He's a brother, and one day he might be like me, but as of now, he works for the enemy. So there was very much, even though there were two black men fighting, there was very much a racial component to this. Yes. Black America was behind Muhammad Ali, and almost everyone else was behind Joe Frazier. Yeah, so I thought that was one of the most interesting parts of that documentary was how this fight really kind of divided the country, so to speak. If you were black, if you were liberal, you wanted Muhammad Ali. If you were white or conservative, you wanted Joe Frazier. And as you mentioned, so Frazier dominates the first fight, and then Ali disputed the result of that fight, saying, quote, it was a white man's decision. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they both of them got into a pretty big scuffle at a talk show. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can't remember who the host of the show was, but they were both there talking. And I don't know if it was while cameras were on, while the show was actually on TV, but they got into a pretty big fight at this talk show. Yeah obviously setting up the second fight between them. Ali mm -hmm. uh, won the second fight on points, but the fight was really less compelling. It lacked a lot of entering. It sounded like a Floyd Mayweather fight to me because Ali danced, <laughs> yeah. is what they said. Ali danced Danced and held fight. him when he got close, yeah. and then that was you know the way that he was able to win. But either way, it, fought the, it lacked this sort of intrigue or interest because neither one of them was the heavyweight champion of the world at the time. Although Joe Frazier had been, he had lost just before this fight to George Foreman. He had got destroyed, destroyed by George knocked Foreman. Knocked out in two rounds. Yeah. That's that's the infamous fight with the line, down goes Frazier. That's what that fight was from him losing to, to George Foreman. So that was, the second fight was the least interesting of the three fights because there was nothing on the line except for really pride between the two of them. Going into the thriller in Manila, however, Ali had beaten George Foreman in the Rumble in the Jungle. Um, to win the heavyweight belt. And really, once this fight was taken on, again, the vitriol from, from Muhammad Ali towards Joe Frazier just picked right back up kind of where it left it off. Escalated. Uh -huh. yeah. It escalated. Escalated, and it was much more than it was before. Uh -huh. the, he kind of <laughs> did all these things where he kind of attacked him verbally, uh -huh. attacked his appearance, yep. his intelligence, and obviously his, his ability. His blackness. His blackness, of course. Everything. I mean, if you're Joe Frazier, you've got to feel like, there wasn't a component of your being that wasn't being verbally assaulted by Muhammad Ali. Yes. Your manhood, I mean, everything about it. Ali left no stone unturned in his um, 
criticisms or whatever you want to call it, and the shots that he took prior to the fight at Frazier? So I took the liberty of writing down a few of the insults that Muhammad Ali hurled at Joe Frazier prior to this fight because they're quite... I mean, they're they're scathing. Yes. I mean, that's they're intense. Uh-huh. And uh, he crosses the line. Definitely. Yeah. So here are a few quote. Joe Frazier is a flat nosed, ugly pug. Unquote. Next one quote. He can't talk. He can't dance. He can't box. He can't do no shuffle. And he writes no poems. Unquote. I like that one. <laughs> Next one, quote, he's not intelligent. He can't compare with myself mentally. He don't know where he's at or where he's going, unquote. And then the last one, this isn't really about Joe Frazier necessarily, but, well, this part is. He had this that knack for calling Joe Frazier a gorilla. Yeah. Said that he looked like a gorilla. It was more of an appearance thing, I think, than anything. He carried around this little, like, plastic rubber doll of a gorilla the entire time he was in Manila, um, saying that it was, quote, the soul of Joe Frazier. But his mantra, the thing that he kept repeating during the lead up to this fight was, quote, it'll be a thriller and a chilla and a killer when I get that gorilla in Manila. Yep. That was his like thing. Anytime the press was around, that was what he was saying. And things really took a turn for the worse at its ugliest, I guess you could say, is when Muhammad Ali showed up at Joe Frazier's hotel with a, quote, replica gun. Yes. Not a handgun. Like, this was like a, I mean, it was like an assault rifle. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of just showed up out there and was like waving it around out there. And he kind of went out there by himself, you know, and then obviously it started to garner a lot of media attention and people showed up and whatnot. So things, I mean, really kind of got out of hand. And yeah. when you think about probably the bigger fights of our generation, probably the biggest, most publicized one was Mayweather McGregor. Yep. Mayweather Pacquiao was a big deal, Mm -hmm. but Mayweather McGregor was the most publicized fight that I can remember in a long time. Mm -hmm. And they went on like a press tour together all over the world, basically. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that, you know, there were a lot of spats and near fights and whatnot. If something like this had happened, if one of them had shown up with a gun at the other person's apartment, whether it was real or not, (laughs) would have probably ended the fight. I mean, it probably would have nipped it in the bud. You know, that would have been a cancel to what even would have happened. Mm-hmm. Whereas this happened and it was just kind of, maybe if it had been in America, things would have happened differently, but because it was in the Philippines, maybe that was, there was a little more leeway. And ju- yeah, that, I think that's a good point. And just the fact that this was 1975 and, you know, guns weren't quite the hot topic that, at, well, at least I wasn't alive then, but it seems like they wouldn't have been such a hot topic politically as they are today, given all the tragedies that we've seen in our society today. I think it's interesting that you compared Muhammad Ali to Colin Kaepernick because the whole time I was watching this documentary, the person that I compared Ali to, who you actually just mentioned, was Conor McGregor. It seems to me like Ali was McGregor before McGregor in that all these things that McGregor does, like, you know, he, he, he'd said to Floyd Mayweather, dance for me, boy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's stormed an opponent's bus and like thrown a ladder into it like i'm pretty sure he was charged for assault for doing these things it just seems like i don't i don't know if mcgregor would ever admit to this or not but he is ali (laughs) ali was mcgregor before mcgregor and i I think that was an influence that uh, mcgregor has seen to try and publicize himself and his fights i think it was kind of a thing where they both obviously have this mouth Mm -hmm. right where they they'll say anything they'll say anything and they're obviously good at what they do. Ali better than McGregor yes. at what 
he does, uh-huh. respectively. But they both had this mouth, and they had this idea that they could do whatever they wanted yep. and not really face any harsh or stern repercussions Which from is kind of true. It's still true for Conor McGregor. Yeah. I mean, he's got all kinds of, you know, legal, like, lawsuits pending and things like that and whatnot. Yeah. And he, you know, he's going to fight again. He's going to be, in, he's going to fight in the UFC again. He's going to make millions of dollars. Uh-huh. He could box again if he wanted and make millions of dollars as well. Yeah. So they both have this, this, this mouth where they felt like they could do and say whatever they wanted and not face any sort of backlash from it. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly the case with Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we're talking about the most famous athlete on the planet, probably at the time, except for maybe some soccer players, which, you know, I'm not really sure, but he was definitely the most famous American athlete at the time. Now, moving closer to the day of the fight, I mean, there was a lot that happened in Manila. Manila. There was a lot of sort of political undertones to having the fight in the Philippines in the first place, you know, controversy surrounding the Philippine government, whatnot. Mm -hmm. All kinds of things went into this. Muhammad Ali supposedly having an affair with some Philippine woman, you know, while he was there. So much, so much went into this. You get closer to the day of the fight. First of all, the fight was 10 a.m. local time. Mm Mm-hmm. So 10 a.m. there, which was prime time here. Because they wanted to accommodate the New York audience, right. essentially. Joe Frazier said in that HBO documentary that we referred to that it was 125 degrees. <laughs> yeah. That seemed a little high to me, but it probably was over 100 degrees, uh-huh. I imagine. At 10 a.m., you know, in a third world country, in an arena that likely doesn't have air conditioning yeah. or anything similar to it, I'm sure it was incredibly hot in there. Mm-hmm. And then I have noted that it was one of the first live sports broadcasts in, in history. And like you mentioned, it was 10 a.m. there to accommodate East Coast time here, which would have been prime time. Now, a couple of interesting notes prior to the fight. Frazier, Joe Frazier's trainer, Eddie Futch, rejected all three of the proposed referees for the fight. There were three, you know, three proposed referees by that Muhammad Ali's team probably had proposed. And he rejected all three. And because of that, Carlos Padilla. This Filipino that they just like Philippine pulled off the Yes, was the last minute <laughs> yeah. replacement. Yeah. What role that had, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. I know refs, and especially in boxing, can allow certain things that other refs won't, especially because there's no real, I don't know. There's book. a lot of gray. Yeah. Right? And... There's not a lot that really will get you in trouble, I guess, uh-huh. in a boxing ring. And so I think the ref probably matters a lot. Yeah. I don't know exactly how much it mattered in this particular fight. Uh, I, I'm definitely going to talk about it okay. a little bit. This match was called on TV by, tell me if you know any of these names. Because <laughs> I do not, I've never, I never heard of any of these people. Don Dunphy uh, did the play-by-play. And then the color was Flip Wilson, Hugh O'Brien, and Ken Norton. I don't know any of them. I don't know any of them, and they were bad. <laughs> they were bad. <laughs> they were not good. You know, Brian says it's a hot day. It must be 100 degrees here, you. Plus the humidity. Plus the crowd. I'd say there are about 30,000 here. Can't hold any more. Uh, the whole, I mean, it seemed like a circus out there, like for this fight. It totally did, especially at the end. Especially <laughs> at the end. I mean, most boxing matches are, it's like, once it ends, it's anarchy in the ring. Yeah. Like, pe- people flood the ring. There are cameras and pushing and shoving, and there's a million people up there who shouldn't be. 
but it felt like this was a giant circus. Yeah. And I know, like I mentioned, it was the first live TV broadcast, you know, in, in sports history and in America. These guys were not quite up to and the they job. Were not up to the job. <laughs> like you can hear them having like side conversations the entire broadcast. Yeah. One of the guys, I believe Ken Norton, is audibly cheering for Ollie the entire fight. <laughs> And so it was clear that this was an amateur crew mm-hmm. that didn't that had never called a live fight before. And then the mistakes in the in the broadcast abound. Yes. Like there were there were a lot of them. Now, one thing that I did think was funny was that before the fight, there was the announcer, you know, the the person who stands in the middle of the ring and announces the fighters. Yeah. He brought out this giant trophy. See, this, this is another McGregor thing. He brought out this giant trophy, puts it in the middle of the ring. Is like this is from the the king of Venezuela, or the president of or of Venezuela of uh, the Philippines. Whoever wins is going to win this trophy. This trophy, I believe, was donated. It looks don- like yeah, yeah. It, it looks like a like. Uh, I mean, the, your your local AAU basketball team might win one of these trophies for winning a tournament. Yeah, that, like, that's yeah, what it looks that's, like. It's like it's like one of those three. It's a glorified little league sports trophy, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's much taller. That's mm-hmm. about it. So this guy comes. The announcer comes. He puts it in the center of the ring. He's like, "This is what the the champion of this fight is going to win." And the second he puts it on the ground, Ali stands up out of his corner, walks out there, and just grabs it. Yep. And takes it over to his corner. <laughs> and takes it over to his corner. And it was funny because the camera didn't even capture the immediate moment when he grabs the trophy. So your initial cue to the to something is going on is the crowd starts to freak out. And then the camera like zooms out and you see Ali's over there in his corner with the trophy pointing around. Yeah, hilarious. I mean, yeah. this uh, you're right. That is a definitely like a, a McGregor type of thing to yeah. do. And then interestingly, during the pre-match introductions, so they're obviously, you know, so you know, Joe Frazier from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania stands at 5'11 and weighs this much. And, and his, he's wearing blue denim. Yeah, he kept saying they kept denim. Saying. Obviously, he wasn't wearing denim. <laughs> like, like the guy was out there in a pair of jorts, <laughs> which if he would have been, he would have died because of how hot it was in there. But he he insistently referred to Joe Frazier wearing blue, blue denim. denim. <laughs> So they announce Frazier, and he gets a pretty good, solid, like, you know, cheer from the crowd. And they announce Ali, and he gets booed. Yeah. He got booed by the fans. This was interesting. Yeah, because culturally in the Philippines, I think someone had said that they like their champions to be humble, essentially, Mm -hmm. and kind of soft spoken. And if you think about Manny Pacquiao, fits the bill. Yeah. That's exactly what the kind of person that they're talking about. Yeah, that's a good, good comparison. And obviously, Ali is the complete opposite to all of those things. Mm -hmm. So he gets booed fairly vigorously, uh-huh. and then does like this fake crying thing. Yeah. Uh, it was, I mean, it was just showmanship. It was arrogance. It was everything that you want in, in a in a prize heavyweight boxing match. Uh-huh. You know, it's all the intrigue, all the drama, and he provided that all. Um, so, I thought it was interesting that they both boxers entered the ring without gloves on. Yeah, I'd never seen that before either. They were standing around there for five minutes waiting for gloves. Yeah. Kind of just like moving around, and the announcers didn't know what to do. And their hands weren't taped up either. Like they, the the gloves were tied on there, mm-hmm. and so that obviously um, was a different thing. And can I just say, I mean, I thought about this when I was watching it. How gl- I think it's glorious that they're both wearing red gloves. Yeah, because if you watch a boxing and match today, the clothes that the people wear in boxing today it's are a joke. just it's hideous. It's a joke. It's ridiculous. And they wear it. You know, their box, their shorts have all these like ads on them and all these words and fonts. It's and like Cam like Newton himself designed <laughs> every pair every pair of boxing shorts there are now. I mean, God. and their gloves are like pink or they're white and stuff like that. Or they have the, like fur on them. And yeah, stuff. well, it looks fine. I love, and I've always been someone who's just enjoyed the classic nature of things. And 
I mean, all he was wearing white shorts. Yeah. Didn't say his name on it or anything. With, it was with just a white shorts, a little black stripe. Yeah. And, and Joe Frazier was wearing blue with a white stripe, and yeah. they were both wearing red gloves. Uh-huh. And I just thought that, you know, from someone who enjoys vintage the way yeah. that we do, I really appreciated yeah, that. I did too. I also thought it was interesting. They noted in the in before the fight that I, I don't know how many fights Joe Frazier had fought going into this. So I've fight. got the records. Okay. So Joe Frazier going into this fight was 32, 2, and 0. 32, 2, and 0. Okay, 32 so wins, two losses, zero draws, and he'd won 27 times by knockout. Okay. So Joe Frazier has had 34 professional fights and apparently had never been cut. Yeah, the, the guy he did say that, <laughs> and I it was, I could not believe that. Yeah, and Ali going in was forty eight two and zero with thirty four knockouts. So they were talking about pre match, and, and of course this was the first time I'd ever watched Joe Frazier box, and I've seen clips of Muhammad Ali box, but this is the first full fight of his that yeah. I watched. So going in, it was. Ali had quick was was the one with the quick hands yep. who wanted to keep the fight at a distance, uh-huh. play it, you know, kind of box. In and the middle Ali of the was ring. much longer than and Frazier, was long, and he was taller. Yep. Uh, Frazier was thirty-one years old going in at the, at this time. Ali was thirty-three. But um, Ali, had, I mean, Ali, although he was thirty-three, he was kind of like Michael Jordan in that he had had that you know a break, a break. in his career, so he was still fresh, yeah. so to speak. And then Joe Frazier was supposed to be the powerful one. He wanted to get inside. He was shorter. He basically wanted to repeat the first fight. Yeah, get inside. Keep the keep the keep the uh, the match inside. Yeah. You know, t- in tight with each other. Don't let Ali get extended. Yep. I mean, I think my favorite part of watching that documentary was listening to Frazier talk about the first fight, and he said that every time Ali would breathe, and then he kind of exhales out of his nostrils, mm-hmm. he'd breathe right on me. He said. Uh-huh. Because he was sitting there right in his nose holes. Uh-huh. And so he kept the fight, that first fight, so close and just kind of pounded on Ali. That's really how he was able to wear him down. And he wanted to do that in this fight. I, I also, I don't know the, the standard, what's a standard size for a ring. But the commentators noted that in this fight, the ring was big. It was a bigger, bigger than normal. Yeah. yeah. And that obviously was, a, was an advantage for Ali, who dances and was long. And so he could use that space much more effectively than Frazier could. And there were times throughout the fight where he did that really effectively, where he was able to kind of circle Joe Frazier in the middle of the ring. And then there were other times where Frazier was doing exactly what he wanted. And we're going to get into all of that right now as we go through the fight. So round one, I had noted that the announcers kept talking about how Joe Frazier was a slow starter. Yeah, they said he almost always loses the first round, I believe. (laughs) I mean, when he lost to George (laughs) Foreman, he lost in the second round. Yeah, And so... Um, and even after the end of the first round, Don Dunphy was quoted as saying, Frazier always loses the first round, like you just mentioned. But as is normal with any boxing match, really, the first round that kind of came out there, and usually, if you know, if you watch, a, especially like a lightweight boxing match or a featherweight boxing match today, it's the first two or three rounds they're feeling each other out. Mm-hmm. They felt each other out for 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I mean, they, this was the third time and they fought. Was, they knew each other well. Yeah, this was great. This was part of what made the fight so great was that they got right down to it. They just went out there for 20 seconds and kind of felt each other out and after 20 seconds it was like let's from do that this moment thing. till the end of the fight both guys were pedaled to the metal. Yes. Frazier was like we mentioned was trying to get inside, stay inside, use the body blows. Ali was just holding whenever he could, which was how he won the second fight. Was uh-huh. anytime he got in there close, he would hold yep. and the referee would split him up and then you know start all over again. And so 
Ali, be, the way the way that he would hold Frazier is he would put one of his hands and his gloves behind Frazier's kind neck. Kind of like cup his neck, yes. yeah. And then kind of pull his head down a little bit. Yeah, and he sometimes would even use that to pull Frazier towards him so that he could hit him. And that was something that he did constantly throughout the entire fight that the ref would tell him not to do it, but that's all he did. The ref would move his hand and tell him not to do it, and Ali just never stopped doing it because there were never any, there was never any consequence There's for no, doing like, that. There's no flag that you can yeah. throw, right? There's there no was penalty not a penalty at all. So he just did it the entire fight. The ref really didn't deter him from doing that at all. What I thought was funny is, so as he's doing this, he's holding him at the behind his neck. The ref doesn't stop the fight necessarily nope. each time he does it. To st- he would just, while they're fighting, he would, he would just, just pull his hand yeah. off his neck. He would slap Which his I head thought, off. I was like, that's great. I was like, let's let him keep going. Just pull it off and, you know, let him keep boxing, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Good flurry of punches by Ollie in the final 20 seconds of the first round. I thought that was a clear, the first round was a clear win for Ollie. Clear win for Ollie. So what I'm going to do, I've got my scores here. Okay. For the sake of the listener. So if you ever want my score up to the point, I can give it to you. But yeah. I'm just going to keep track of the round. Who's won each round? Okay, I've got that too. Okay. So I have Ollie winning the first round. Yep, me too. Round two, early in the round, is when is the first time that Ollie is warned by Carlos Padilla, the referee, about holding Joe Frazier's neck. Okay. That at that moment, he does stop the fight and was like, hey, this, you know, this holding on the back, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. That's the only time he really stopped the fight, I think, for it. Yeah. Oh, he did. He did. He did pause the fight and I think verbally warn Ali. One of the double-digit rounds, I yeah. think he stopped it one more time and told him to. to the, the, just there, it never. Ali did that whenever he wanted the entire fight. Mm. I felt like. And then, I don't. This this was obviously just Joe Frazier's style, but I just noted that it looked like he was expending much more energy than than Ali was. He was ducking and bobbing and weaving all the time, and his head was always moving. His hands were around, and Ali was kind of just. He would just kind of stand and mm-hmm. kind of wait, you know, wait for him to move and, you know, dodge. And he wouldn't move that much. Yeah. Whereas Joe Frazier was, he was constantly, his head was always moving and he was ducking and bobbing and weaving. It just looked like he was expending much more energy. And it, Joe Frazier kind of came on strong, I thought, at, this, at the end of the second round, but it was still a round that Ollie won. Yep. Um, so now the, the, the round count is 2 nothing mm-hmm. for Ollie. I uh, have him winning the first round 10-8 and then the second round 10-9. Round three, so he's, Muhammad Ali starts doing this this rope-a-dope yep. thing, which for those of you who don't know, a rope-a-dope is when... So this is what he did in the Rumble in the Jungle to beat Foreman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a strategy that boxers will take where they'll kind of cover up their face and you know kind of back themselves into a corner or on the ropes with the intent that you're hoping that your opponent is going to make a lot of punches yeah, yeah and kind of tire himself out. Yep. And once he's all tired out, you kind of bust out of the rope-a-dope and start swinging while he's tired. Yeah, legend has it that in order to rope-a-dope George Foreman, Muhammad Ali was doing, I think, 1,500 sit-ups a day to get his core so strong to withstand all those blows. And he used it to to great effectiveness against George Foreman. The commentators kept referring back to that fight, and they mentioned that Frazier was able he was he had a better strategy against the rope dope strategy that Ali was trying to employ than Foreman. I don't I mean he could have watched tape on that fight, but he didn't entirely wear himself out hammering Ali. He kind of was, was taking ropes. some shots and was he swinging would take hard. Some shots, yeah. Um, but it wasn't like uh he was going in there guns a blazing. Yeah. He kind of knew what was going on. And, and I think I just think that I guess his punching style was just a little bit more effective than Foreman's, and and I I mean, I think he was known for being a hard hitter, and so 
it, it that strategy just wasn't going to work as well on Frazier as it did on Foreman. So he's got this rope-a-dope going, and every time Joe Frazier would back out, Ollie would call him back in. And when I say call him back in, I mean he would literally wave him back in with his yeah. hand. Like with his with his glove, he'd wave him back in, and he'd come back in there, and he would kind of, you know, wait for a little while and take a couple punch, take a or you know throw a couple punches and whatnot. But I said after one minute of rope a dope, both fighters burst out of the corner, guns a blazing. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of both. I mean, Ali certainly after that he kind of he came out and threw probably twenty punches in the last thirty seconds of the round. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just swinging, swinging, swinging. And I have Ali winning round three as well, three nothing. Yep, I've got Ali. So as I've got well. Ali three rounds to Joe Frazier's none. That was another 10-9 round. So it's getting closer. I think Frazier was kind of he was kind of closing the gap. Coming into it a little bit in round three. And then certainly in round four, I felt like he was starting to get a lot better. And this was a, kind of an uneventful round. But one thing that I wrote down from that was that I loved you could just hear these audible grunts from, from Joe Frazier. Frazier. <laughs> when they would get in the corners that were close to the cameras, you could hear when every time he threw a punch, you could hear him just Yeah. <clears throat> Ali with the rope that goes again. Frazier looking for a spot. He's not wasting punches, however. You talked about when we did the Duke Kentucky game, how much you love when you get someone dunks it and you can hear them yell. <laughs> yes. This was all. I thought this was kind of on par with that, where you can hear him punching. You could just hear every like bit of force that he has going into every punch. Just, yeah. mm, mm, mm. I thought that was great. But Ali, Ali won round four as well. I thought. Yes. So. At this point, it is a 4 nothing In terms of rounds, it's a 4 nothing lead for Ali. Mm-hmm. And on points, he's I've got him up 40 to uh, 37. So <clears throat> round five starts, and both fighters, I think they still looked pretty fresh. Like we mentioned before, it was a hot. Yes, stifling um, heat. And humid. You know, the Philippines, obviously, in... in the Asia Pacific area where it's incredibly humid. And so it was hot, it was humid, but they both still looked pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, bo- like boxers have to be in the, in best, in the best in shape of any physical shape. Yeah. I mean, if anyone's gotten into like a fight or a wrestling match, it is so much more tiring than like playing a full basketball game. I know if you like watch a boxing match and like near the end of the match, the guys like they get really tired, their arms are low and like they, they're not punching as often as they are. And if their punches aren't packing much uh, power behind them, and I remember thinking, you know, being younger, looking at this, like, why? I was like, it can't be, they can't be that tired. Yeah. I mean, I would challenge anybody just to go to like a 30-minute boxing class yeah. and see how how your arms feel after that. <laughs> after and, 30 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's And imagine it is that when someone else is punching tiring. you throughout the entire time. It is extremely tiring. Yeah. And it is a physical grind. Yeah. But round five, so Frazier, he keeps coming in. You know, he's, he's trying to get close and, and take his body shots. But this is the first time. I feel like these body shots were starting to get to Ali a little bit. Yeah, and this was interesting because Frazier was hammering the body almost the whole fight. And at one point in time, and it might have been before we're in the fifth round right now, or we're in the fourth round. Fifth round. Fifth round. I think it might have been earlier when the announcers mentioned this. But as Frazier was showing slight signs of fatigue, one of the commentators mentioned that maybe he shouldn't throw the body punches so hard. He should just throw them softly and get the points for landing them. Which to me, I mean that that sounds a little. It's like taking a. It's knee. a little bit of gamesmanship, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how. I think most fighters wouldn't want to do that. I mean, I think guys go in there wanting to knock the other guy out rather than accumulate points, or at least the fighters that are fun to watch do that. But I just thought that was an interesting strategy 
that I had never really considered before. I don't think Frazier at any point tried to do that in this fight. Yeah, it didn't seem like it. Maybe every, he should have. Every punch he threw, I felt he like he was had trying venom. to knock him out. Yeah, yeah be- and because he knew, I mean, he didn't like this guy. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go out and he wanted to. He prove wanted to go his, beat him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this, this fifth round, Ali tries to rope it up again, but I just I wrote that he didn't look as confident in mm-hmm. it. When he did it in the first in in the the fourth and third rounds, it was he knew exactly what he was doing. He would just buckle down in there. He had his hands up there, and it, anytime uh, Frazier would throw punches, it didn't look like it was doing much to him. No. In round five, it started to look like it was doing something to yeah. him. You know, he didn't look as confident. His his hands weren't as high. He was a little more hunched over and just didn't look like this was as easy as it was before. And Frazier was hitting harder. Mm-hmm. And I've, I think this is the first round that Joe Frazier won was round five. So I had, I had it as a draw, but I agree that the trend is that the margin of, I don't want to call it victory, but the Ali's winning margin had been getting slimmer with each with round. With each round, right. But the problem is, is no matter how slim that margin is, as long as Ali was winning the rounds, that you know it's piling on. And so... It, it felt like at this point to me that Frazier, even though each round he was getting a little bit closer, he still had quite a bit to overcome at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's whether you know you have the drive, I have that round for Frazier, but either way, he's trailing pretty, pretty heavily, significantly. Yeah, yeah, in this fight at this point, that's after round five, round six. So right out of the gate, Joe Frazier comes out and throws two massive left hooks. Yes. And like we mentioned, that he had been going to the body, the body, the body, the whole match, and he just kind of came out and started swinging for his head mm-hmm. and and connected on two big left hooks. Yep. And it was clear at that point that he was gaining his confidence. Uh-huh. And Frazier was the one coming forward the entire this entire round. He was just coming forward, coming forward. Really was the one coming forward the entire fight. Yeah. But he was coming forward and coming forward, and he would just started he was just beating him on the body. And then once he would over overcommit to the body, he'd swing up at the head a couple of times, and it was. You know, strategy-wise, it looked like it was going almost completely according to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got round six to, to Frazier. Well, Cliff Wilson, I think it's turned into a pretty even fight after, yes, after a one-sided beginning. Yes, yes, I think uh, Joe has started to smoke, and it should be pretty close to even about now. He uh, landed two vicious left hooks at the start of the round. And we're coming up to round seven. It's been a fast bout. Round seven. Ali is bouncing. He's, you know, he's he's kind of getting his movement back a little bit. He's not rattled, but it did look like the last two rounds had woken him up. Yeah, so he knew that he wasn't going to be able to sleepwalk his way through this. Yeah, thing. It, it was clear that he kind of came out in round seven was like, all right, I need to get back to doing what I do. Um, Which he did. I mean, I felt like Ali controlled the pace of the fight pretty much start to finish. I felt yeah. like, although Frazier, like you said, was always the guy that was pressing I felt like I, I never felt like the fight got so far away from Ali that he had he had lost control of the pace of the fight. And so I had noted that after round seven, the announcers said that they would give that round to Joe Frazier, quote, on the basis of aggression. Which is is that a thing? Probably not. I, I mean, I, I like it if it is because everyone wants to watch. I mean, you no one likes to watch Floyd Mayweather fight. And I've got some interesting stats about Floyd later on. Okay. But you're you're right. I mean, <clears throat> whether or not he actually won the round, I had him, a, I had Ali winning the round. Just what giving him you know much. whatever giving them that round, let's say on the basis of aggression, I thought that was fine too. Mm-hmm. But I also just had wrote that it was a pretty un- uneventful round. Yeah. You know, it could have been another a second draw. Yeah, I thought actually. All right, but before we go on to the next round, guides are terrible at taking care of their health. 
whether it's a knee injury, a bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable, quote, rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I mean, just think about think about this boxing match that we're talking about right now. That's two guys that are just going out there and getting punched in the head repeatedly, in the head, the kidneys, the ribs, whatever, without any regard for their own health. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online. It's convenient. It's discreet. Getting started is super simple. Just go to GetRoman.com Rewind and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com Rewind to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That means it costs nothing. Free online visit, free two-day shipping costs you nothing. That's GetRoman.com Rewind for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash R-E-W-I-N-D. Round eight. So both guys are swinging, and they're swinging hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about we're more than halfway through. This is a fifteen supposed to be a 15-round fight. Yeah. That might be the first time we've mentioned that, and I'm sorry if it, it is. But it, is. it was supposed to be a 15-round fight. So we're at round eight right now. So we're over halfway, and these guys are still guns blazing. Yes. Swinging, not swinging often. And putting every body, every amount of body weight they have, any energy they had into every punch they threw. Mm-hmm. There was a big rally from Ali in the middle of the round, but Joe Joe Frazier had a couple nice throws in there as well. And near the end of the of the round, Frazier kind of just pinned Ali in the corner, and he couldn't get extended on the punches, obviously, and he would not let him out of that corner. Yeah, they were just dripping sweat, and he was just pounding the body, just pounding and pounding, and. He just would not for the life of him. He knew that to win the fight, he was desperate, which he was desperate to do. He had to keep Ali in that corner. Mm-hmm. And it was clear. He would not let him out of that corner. After round eight, so I, I had I actually had all or I had Frazier winning those last two rounds, which would put my scorecard at four four. I believe you're at four five two one. Yep. Ken Norton, one of the color guys, said that Ali was definitely ahead. And when he said that, I was a little surprised because I wasn't so sure. I thought that he was ahead, but he made it, I mean, it seemed like he made that statement without kind of recognizing the momentum that Frazier had picked up. True. and Which, I mean, not every sport is about momentum, and boxing is probably one of those ones. mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think momentum plays a role in everything, but, you know, when when you try and look, like, the first round shouldn't, shouldn't count for less than the 15th round necessarily. Right. Although it probably, I mean, and many spectators fans, it does. But I think the judges try and take each round in a vacuum kind of. And I wonder if that's the reason why he had said it like that. Keeping in mind that, as I mentioned before, there was a, one of the announcers was audibly cheering, cheering for Muhammad Ali the entire time. It was Ken Norton. <laughs> it was this guy. And so to, to, he, was, uh, he was biased, I think, yeah. to say the least. Um, but like you mentioned, you know, momentum obviously plays an important role. And I think to dispute your point, I think it probably matters a lot in boxing. Yeah. And the reason why it matters a lot is because barring a knockout, which obviously there's a clear winner and loser, if there's not a knockout, it is completely subjective. Yeah, it totally <laughs> it is. It depends. The, in, and the judges of the fight are going to be swayed by how loud the crowd is cheering. Yeah. And 
you know, when someone, when Ali or Frazier, either one of them would go on a nice flurry or get land a couple punches in a row, the crowd would cheer. Mm-hmm. You could hear them cheer. And momentum leads to crowd noise, mm-hmm. which I think would affect the scoring. And so I do think that that momentum probably matters. I think in terms of the subjective nature of boxing, I think it matters yeah. specifically at that. Because at the end of the day, there's not always a clear winner and loser. Yeah, I agree. I just think the the judges are aware of that. And, and because of the subjective nature to it, they have to try and like isolate those variables kind mm-hmm. of like in, in basketball momentum matters a ton, but the momentum feeds into an actual tangible score. Whereas in boxing it doesn't. And so I feel like the, the subjectivity of it, I mean, I, I definitely agree in your point that the subjectivity of it makes moment. It could mo- make, it could make momentum more important, but at the same time, I feel like the announcers had to have been trained to kind of, or not the announcers, but the judges had to kind of train themselves to, to put it aside somewhat. And judging is kind of a, I think, a stain on boxing in general. Yeah, it is. There are a lot of, I've watched a lot of matches where at the end they announce a winner and it's like, yeah, there's no way that guy won. <laughs> like, you know, one that comes to mind was recently and maybe a couple of years ago when Manny Pacquiao fought Jeff Horn. Yeah. And Jeff Horn is Australian. They fought in Australia. Uh-huh. Manny Pacquiao clearly won that fight, really could have, should have knocked him out. Yeah. And they announced Jeff Horn as the winner at the end. And I was just left kind of. I this think is Teddy stupid. Atlas went yeah, off. This is stupid. This like, one. you know, yeah. why are we doing this? This thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And it just kind of goes to that, you know, obviously the hometown crowd was for Jeff Horn. Anytime he landed a punch, however hard or soft it was, they were cheering. Yeah. And not the case for Pacquiao. And that probably had something to do with yeah. it. Yeah. So I wasn't so sure that that Ali was ahead. Like you said, it felt like he was in control in terms of the pace of the of the match. But Frazier, I, I don't have the stats, the punch stats. They were incredibly hard to find, but I would have bet that he had thrown way more punches and probably yeah, landed more at that point. Probably. Um, Ali probably had landed more power punches. And I think Ali... And, pu- and blows would, to the head, yeah, which Ali would have loves. landed a, definitely a higher percentage of punches as well. Mm. So round nine, not many punches being thrown by Ali in this round and Frazier still coming forward. He was doing a good job, Frazier was, that is, keeping a, the fight out of the middle of the ring and on the ropes. Mm-hmm. And I think he kind of got into a nice groove round six through about ten where he, I don't remember there being much action in the middle of the ring. You know, it was all on the ropes and corners. And after that round, after round nine, I had, on rounds anyway, I had Frazier ahead 5-4 after so round nine. I had Frazier winning round nine as well. But I still have him. I only have, have that as his second round that he won. I've got Ali with four, and then I've got two draws and two. No, I've got Ali with five, two draws, and two to Frazier. Round 10. This was, ended up being an important round, I thought, later. Although watching it live or watching it not live, you know, just watching it in, in the flow of the match, it didn't strike me as a particularly great or eventful round. Um, Frazier looked a little fresher than Ali. You know, he, like I said, he was doing a lot of moving and bobbing and weaving, uh, and he would not give him any air. Like you mentioned before in, in their first match, it looked like that was happening right then, right then too. You know, mm-hmm. anytime Ali, you know, it's like any of us, like if you get hit in public or if like, if, if you're like having an argument with one of your friends and they hit you or they push you or something, your first instinct is to push back and to go back at them almost always. And it was clear that anytime Ali got a nice hit on Frazier, his first response was to get back in yes. there. Uh-huh. You know, it wasn't to kind of like step back and take a breather for a minute. It was once he took a hit, he was right back into the chest. Yeah. 
He took a hit to the, you know, a blow to a right hook to the face, right back into the chest. Yeah. And Ali alludes to the 10th round in his post game or post match, um, post fight interview. He alluded yeah, s- to round save 10. Because I want to talk about it at the okay. end. After round 10, Ali was visibly doubled. I mean, like it, it shows him doubled over in his corner. Mm-hmm. Like he is, the fatigue obviously is becoming a very real thing, but also. The, the 10 rounds of getting hit in the kidneys and the abs and the that doesn't ribs, help. I'm sure he was just in pain. Yeah. Um, so I've got it at that point. That was an Ollie. I had Ollie winning round 10. I had Ollie re- winning round 10 as well. Round 11, it almost seemed like he was get Ollie anyway, was as I just finished saying that he was doubled over, exhausted in his corner. It did feel like. In terms of the actual boxing, he was getting stronger at that point. Yeah, I, I agree. Th- I agree with that. I felt like Ali looked like he was when, when they were, but like between the bells, it felt like Ali was better conditioned. But whenever they would go over there to go over to their corner, he would like collapse in his corner. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, but he was moving more and more, and then around this point, at this point, it started to feel like he was doing a better job of staying off the rope, staying out of the corner. I'm sure someone in his, you know, training staff told him like, Hey, you got to get out of the yeah. corner. Now. And you, like, you could hear them yelling too. Yeah. Just like how you had mentioned that, you know, you could hear Frazier, you know, grunting when he would land big punches. You could hear the guys in each corner yelling, yelling advice to them, which yeah. was cool. So I, after round 11, I have it six, five Ali in the lead round 12. At the beginning of the round, the color commentator, Don Dunphy, says, quote, Frazier seems to be coasting, which I think that was probably more a... Like he's just trying to hang on? To it, yeah, I was going to say it was probably more of a, a consequence of fatigue yeah. that it felt that he was coasting, where it felt like he was just kind of going out there, throwing, making some routine punches, you know, not really putting a lot of sting or venom behind him anymore, but it just seemed like he was tired, mm-hmm. you know, that he was just starting to lose it. And uh, Ollie won round 12 as well, Yep, I thought. Now, round 13 and 14, things get obviously interesting. Yes. So 13, so the, obviously the, the fight has really moved now from being almost exclusively in the corners to now it's pretty much exclusively in the middle, yep. or they're just moving around the middle. And Ollie is desperately trying to stay out of that corner. And then in the middle of round 13 is the real momentum the shifting moment. The best moment of the fight. Yeah, this is like stuff of legend. So yes. Ollie lands a right hook. That sends Joe Frazier's mouthpiece flying into the fifth into the row. ninth row. Yes, it goes I mean, flying. It is like a like jet fueled rocket coming yes. out of his mouth, uh-huh. and it was just such a clean punch right to the face, and his mouthpiece just went flying yep. out. And the second it happened, the crowd just erupted. Yes. And really, from that moment on, Ali was refreshed. He was really refreshed after that for about a minute. Yeah. And it felt like he could could smell blood in the water. Yeah. Now, what I thought was so interesting about this moment is not only how it affected Ali, but how it affected Frazier. And we talked about in the beginning of the fight how the commentators had mentioned that Frazier had never been cut. Well, obviously, Frazier has taken a beating through 13 rounds of boxing or 12 and a half rounds of boxing at this point. But... This punch, the second after it happened, Frazier all of a sudden looks terrible instantly. He looked, and I don't know if it was yeah. body language or what, but all of a sudden his it was. face... It was body looks, language. It, yeah, 
But I mean, like, even like just his face <laughs> looked terrible. He was, his bl- mouth was bloody. His eyes were swollen. He had a cut beneath one eye. Like if, if the camera was close enough to him, you could see like around his eyebrows, just swollen skin there. And all of a sudden it just looked like he was a dead man walking. If you look at pictures of him after that fight, you can't see his eyes. Uh-huh. Like it, both the, the, the muscles and the skin around his, both of his eyes were so swollen uh-huh. that you could not see his eyes. Yeah. And that was really the moment of the fight. Yeah. That mouthpiece goes flying, momentum shifts, Ollie's confident, Joe Frazier is now on his heels. Uh-huh. For the rest of the fight, really, yep. he's on his yep. heels. And Ollie just starts imposing his will with these headshots, and he's moving around still, and it's just throwing punches, throwing punches. And then another big right, this is still round 13, another big right hook sent Frazier kind of stumbling. Uh-huh. Like he almost went down. Yes. Probably should have. A normal 95% of people would have gone down. 95% of boxers might have yeah. gone down. That, yeah. That's what I meant. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, you know, he just kind of stumbled back, but, you know, stayed on his feet. And then you obviously mentioned, we already talked about it, but he was very swollen around both of his eyes and was bleeding profusely from his mouth. It was one of those situations where the guys in his corner, you know, he is drinking water and is swishing it around, and then you can see him spit it out Bright into the spit bucket. red. Just red. Yeah. I mean, it looked like it was just blood that yeah. he was spitting out. I mean, it was disgusting. Obviously, Ollie won that round. I actually had him winning that round 10-8. That was a huge, I, I, that was a huge round for Ollie. That was probably the round that won the fight, even though it went to round 14. Ollie continued to drill him in the head. Frazier trying to get him back in the corner, but he's just kind of slipping out and mm-hmm. slipping out. And every time he got into that corner, when the ref would would separate him, Ollie would give him an extra push yeah. to get him out of the corner. Um, and then he would obviously move out of the corner once they were broken up. Frazier has completely lost his sting at this point. Mm-hmm. The punches that he's throwing are are not packing a punch. Mm-mm. And he's just kind of swinging wildly. Yeah. Like he's just kind of like he knows like he just needs he needs to get lucky essentially and land a knockout punch. Mm-hmm. Ollie looks fresher of the two for sure. And Frazier really looked like he was a punch or two away from going down. Yeah. I mean he was stumbling. It looked like he yeah, could barely he could have walk. gone down at any moment. And then I had Ollie win in that round again today. Another, another big round for Ollie. Yeah. So after round 14, I don't know if it's – it must be a doctor hired by whoever's putting on the fight, not by either team. It had to – yeah. I mean, it would have to be an impartial third party. Yes. And a doctor comes and looks at Joe Frazier, and as he's looking at him, his trainer, Eddie Futch, calls the fight, mm-hmm. ends the fight. The doctor comes up and looks at Frazier. I think it's going to be over. It's all over. And it, later on, you would learn that obviously Joe Frazier, prior in his life, had had an accident where his uh, that affected the vision in his left eye. Yep. Where he couldn't, I don't know if he was blind out of his left eye, but he couldn't see well out of his left like eye. Like his peripheral vision was compromised was wrong. on that so, side. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And then obviously, like we had mentioned, him getting hit in the face, he couldn't see. Uh-huh. And in the HBO documentary, it talks about how when he would go back to the to his corner, he would tell him, he's like, I can't see his left hand. Yeah. Like, when he, I can't see his left hand coming. It's just all of a sudden I get This hit. is stuff straight out of a Rocky movie, yeah. right? Cut me, Mick. Yeah. I mean, like, crazy stuff. Um, so he, so Eddie Fudge calls the fight. Ollie stands to celebrate immediately. And then collapses. And then collapses to the ground. I mean, he said, also a quote from this HBO documentary from someone that was in Ollie's corner, said that when he walked back to, the, to his corner after the 14th round, he told him to cut his gloves off. Yeah. That he couldn't go anymore. Which, so this is so interesting to me because Ali, as we've noted, clearly in full control of the fight at this point in time. 
but apparently wanted to stop the fight after this round because mm -hmm. he could not continue. Yeah. Whereas, contrastingly, and I don't want to get to this too soon, but they had asked Joe Frazier if he would have been willing to lay down his life to go back out there to continue the fight. And he said unquestionably, yes. Without a hesitation. Without <laughs> yeah. a second hesitation. He's like, yeah, I would have. Which, I mean, you... We watch these Rocky movies and, you know, there's all this drama about, you know, I'm a fighter. This is what we do. I can't, you know, mm -hmm. just having this fighter spirit. It's a real thing. Mm -hmm. the Frazier was willing to die out there. I mean, that it meant that much to him. And I just couldn't believe it when when he said that and the way that he said it. So he's, he stands up, celebrates, immediately collapses to the ground. All he does. And I think what it, probably what happened, I you know, and if I had been Ali's trainer, this is what I would have told him. I would say if if uh, any if we're standing up to fight the fifteenth round, then I'll call it. But we're gonna wait because I think he's gonna get. I mean, he he couldn't see. He wasn't defending himself. He's probably gonna. You know, they're gonna call the fight. Yeah. So let's just wait. Uh -huh. And I'm probably sure, I'm pretty sure that's probably what happened. He probably yeah. went back there. Was like, look, cut my gloves off. I can't go. And the trainer was like, all right, let's just wait. Let's wait for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> because and then obviously what happened happened. They called the fight. Now, my question to you, before we get into the post-fight, and there, you know, there, there's a little uh, on the broadcast, a post-fight interview with Holly, which, which we'll get to. But let me ask you this. So this is widely kind of hailed, regarded as one of the greater boxing matches of all time. Mm -hmm. Some people like us that don't know a lot about boxing currently or in history wouldn't know better. But my question is this. Can you call this the greatest fight ever when it didn't end in a knockout? You know, it's like, can you call it the greatest basketball game ever if it doesn't end with a shot in the air? Yeah. You know, or can you call it the greatest football game ever if it doesn't end, you know, like with a with a, a with two seconds on the clock from the 10 yard line well, to score? I mean, like, I guess it depends. I mean, what's your definition feels, of greatness? Yeah, exactly. But it just feels like it was a, a build up to a knockout. When really it was a build up to just getting called. Yeah. So it was, I, I agree that it was anticlimactic and I wish that it hadn't gotten called. But I mean, that, that Filipino referee after had said that he had seen people die in the ring and he said that that's where it was headed. Yeah. And that was kind of the build up to that. He said that Frazier. if they had gone out for the 15th round, he wouldn't have been surprised yeah. if someone had died. Yeah. yeah. And then they asked Frazier, would you have been willing to die? And he said, yes. <laughs> but. I feel like, yeah, it was anticlimactic in that the fight was stopped. However, a knockout to me feels kind of like a, a blowout in uh, like a football or a basketball game. Everyone loves to see a knockout, though. But if, gr if your definition of greatness is a close fight, you know, if this thing had gone the distance and neither fighter would have been willing to submit to the other one, I mean, that's also pretty great. The problem with boxing is the subjectivity of it and the controversy of it, although that may or may not be a problem. I think college football is a sport that thrives on controversy, but it it might not feel like a legitimate victory unless there was a knockout. And so I definitely see your point in that, you know, maybe it couldn't be the, the best fight ever. And maybe that's like the Rocky watching side of me. Yeah. Where it's like, can you imagine a Rocky movie that where it just ends and ends and then they announce the winner <laughs> by split decision yeah. is Rocky Balboa or, you know, in like in Creed 2, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it, but in Creed 2, it ends with with the other, with Creed's opponent calling the fight yeah. with throwing the towel. And I get it, you know, like I understand why that happens and why trainers do that to protect their fighter who would lay down their life to win a fight. Mm -hmm. 
who refuses to quit. They have to have someone in their corner that's willing to think clearly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, even just watching the movie, I was just kind of like, you kind of just long for that moment where the guy hits the, the canvas, yeah. you know, and is done. You're out for blood and you want to, yeah, you want to see that. And uh, and so that was, I'm not, I, I wouldn't say that it was anticlimactic necessarily because the last two rounds are, are, are the climax. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, I mean, it's just, what I mean, what, what I don't know what to say about this fight in the context of boxing history, but if they say it's the greatest ever, I don't have any. I I can't really say point to one thing and say no, not it's not because of this. Yeah, I can't either. I, I completely agree with you, and that you know that's a, a lack of knowledge on on my part. I it and you know, it seems like we agreed on most rounds of the fight. What to me was a little disappointing was I expected the fight to be closer. I felt like. I mean, I don't want to say Ali dominated, but I he obviously dominated towards the end of the fight. But, I mean, on my rounds, I, I only had Frazier winning two rounds. And so, and I'm obviously not an educated boxing judge, but I just felt like it would have been more clearly close if it would have been so great. I felt like Ali, I, I never felt like he was in danger of losing the fight. I never felt like he was in danger of losing either. But I, the only time I thought that Frazier was was 13 and 14. Yeah. I mean, it looked like he was... They both went through periods of the fight where they were executing their game plan. Uh-huh. Which, and then in those periods, it felt like those fight, the respective fighter was in control of the fight. Mm-hmm. And I never thought that Ollie was, felt like he was going to lose either. I had him ahead on rounds when the fight ended and ahead on points when the fight ended. But I did feel like it was close. I mean, I felt like... I mean, my rounds at the end was 8-6. Okay. So I did think it was close. I, you know, in my in watching the fight, I wasn't sure if if drawing rounds was a thing. I don't know if it is a thing. <laughs> and so there probably would have been a couple in there for yeah. me, but <clears throat> I took the easy way out. I think it is. Rounds. I'm pretty sure it is mm-hmm. because I think they mentioned it on the broadcast. They mm-hmm. talked about it on their scorecard that a couple of draws in there. But I had Ali ahead. He was ahead by two rounds at the end of the 14th round. But I did feel like it was close. You know, I felt like Frazier did what he went there to do. Mm-hmm. Which was punish. Which was punish, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And um, after the fight, so he he collapses on the ring, and they're trying, people are pushing and shoving, and cameras are trying to get in there, and this guy is trying to get in there to do an interview. And (laughs) What's what's the guy's name? Don Dunphy. So Don Dunphy's trying to get in there, and as he is trying to work his way through a scrum of people, he's giving a play-by-play of his efforts to get into the inner part of this ring to interview <laughs> Ali. He's like, we're, we're trying to get in here to talk to Ali, who has retained his title, and I think he needs a little air because this has to have been one of the most bruising heavyweight championships of all time. Our cameraman's trying to get in here. There's some guy's elbows in my face. I'm just trying to get around here. I mean, it's just, it's so funny to hear him give the play-by-play of his struggle to get to Ali to ask him a few questions. So he gets in there and finally starts asking him a couple questions. And I don't remember what the first question was that he asked him, but he asked him, so he asked him a very classic question that journalists will ask athletes a lot. He says, at any point in this fight, did you feel like you were going to lose? 99% of the time, I think, any athlete who answers that would say, no, yeah. I thought we were going to win the entire time. Like, unless it was maybe, you know, some dramatic comeback or something like that. Mm-hmm. Ollie's like, yeah, I thought I was going to lose in the 10th <laughs> round. Did you have any doubt about winning at any time? Well, round 10, I surprised Joe had so much stamina. 
as surprised as Nashubi was. And if I didn't have the condition, I know I would have lost. There's too much pressure. I think he deserved a, a lot of He is the greatest fighter of all times next to me. Except for me. Thank you very much, Muhammad Ali. He's like, yeah, 10th round. I was shocked at how he was He was unfazed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's like, I felt like I was going to lose uh-huh. in the 10th round. I felt like, you know, which I was shocked by that. Yeah. You know, I was just because athletes don't speak with that kind of candor. Mm-mm. You know, I think most of the times throughout games, they teams probably feel like they're going to lose at certain points. Yeah. They just don't admit it. He just admitted it. He's like, yeah, I felt like I was going to lose in the 10th round. And then he called Frazier the greatest of all time next to me. Yeah. I mean, he really, after the fight, he couldn't just I mean, immediately after. And in years following that fight, he couldn't have been more respectful, yeah. com- complimentary of Joe Frazier. But it felt like it was tainted at that mm. point, right? He is quoted, all he says, and he's quoted as saying that if God ever called him to a holy war, he wanted Joe Frazier by his side. <laughs> I mean, that's about as high a praise as you can give someone, yeah. you know, in terms of their fighting spirit and things like that. Um, and then in 2001, you know, in, in a New York Times interview, all he said, Quote, I said a lot of things in the heat of the moment that I shouldn't have said. I called them names I shouldn't have called them. I apologize for that. I am sorry, but it was meant to promote the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and Frazier, or Ali rather, apologized to one of Joe Frazier's sons. Yep. But not to Frazier. Telling him, quote, that, you know, to apologize for all the things that he'd been saying. And Joe Frazier said that he never accepted that apology because it was never to his face. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of stand I'm with okay Frazier. with that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You got you to gotta apologize to somebody's face. And, and if Frazier still holds contempt for Ali, clearly, and it's like a, I mean, it's almost a religious contempt because mm-hmm. Frazier pretty much says that, like, I mean, he doesn't come out and say this word for word, but he basically says that Ali's post life struggles, like with Alzheimer's and everything, it is like retribution. Yes. Like, like God, yeah. like, kind of making him, him pay down. for all the things he said and did. And that he won out in the end because he's still alive today, essentially. I mean, is he still alive? A, uh, well, Fra- Frazier outlived yeah. Ali. Let's see here. I'm going to look I'm gonna look this up really quick. Hey, let's see. Joe Frazier died November 7th, 2011. Okay. So maybe Ali did live longer than him. So it must have just been that the, the fact that Ali. He, he had this, this, there was a certain pride about Joe Frazier where he felt like he broke Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Although he lost the fight, uh-huh. he felt like he broke Muhammad Ali. Yeah, you know what I compare it to? A from the grave medal in Halo, <laughs> where you die, where you but, die, you but then your grenade, you kind of. your grenade blows up after you die and kills the other man. Quickly, before we move on to the rest of what happened post-fight, I have a couple of stats for you. This is really just one. I mean, the the biggest metric that the uneducated fan can look at in a boxing match is punches landed. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I don't know a lot about power punches, jabs, whatnot, percentages, things like that. You know, there's a lot of data and statistics that go into boxing like any other sport. But who hit the other guy more? Who hit the other guy more is is the baseline what any layman would use to determine the winner of a boxing match. Total punches landed in this fight was 514. Okay. 264 for Ali, 250 for Joe Frazier. Separated by just 14 punches. Hmm. Like we had previously mentioned. One punch around. Yeah. In the Mayweather-Manny Pacquiao fight, which at that point was the biggest fight in decades, there were a total, total of 229 punches landed. In how many rounds? Do you know? In, I believe, 12 rounds. Okay. So in 14 rounds, they they were double, more than double. Yeah. In, so 
And then in Mayweather-McGregor, which was, you know, that happened after Manny Pacquiao, which was then, at that point, was the biggest fight in, you know, years. Mm-hmm. There were 281 punches landed. Yeah. And this is why the sport is dying. Yes. Right? People like Floyd Mayweather. Fighters like Floyd Mayweather, they're killing the sport. Yeah. As popular as he was, his style killed the sport. So you might be thinking, though, that you know, Mayweather's, uh, I don't know what weight class you'd call it, but he's lightweight. He's not a heavyweight. No, he's not. Probably the, the two most popular heavyweight fighters in the world right now are Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, and they fought last December. And their fight, this is, I couldn't believe this. This is the last one that I looked at, thinking that it would probably be the closest. Two heavyweights. This is a title fight. Last year, they had a total of 200 punches landed. Wow. So the lowest of The uh, lowest of the three that I looked at. This fight, in terms of the, the physical punishment that they imposed on each other, was... Bar none. Bar none. In terms of the heat, in terms of the fighters, the, the power that they each possessed. The fighting spirit. The fighting spirit, the, the motivation that each of them had. And like we mentioned, Joe Frazier being willing to die yeah. in the ring to win or to, to finish the fight. That's what that that's the stat where you see it. Mm-hmm. That's what that's the only stat that you can point. It's like that's how you know that these guys were willing to lay it all on the line. Yep. And I'm not going to say anything about you know Floyd's motivation and you know well, what know he what was or what he wasn't. Is. I'll say what his motivation. Well, his motivation is money. Yeah, but I'm money just saying. Mayweather. All I'm saying though is that he. He didn't care about knocking the other person out, uh-uh. is what I'm saying. He didn't care about landing punches. If you Just save yourself $100, and if he ever fights again, just don't order it, or just go to someone's house who's, who's already ordered it, because they're boring. He says he's they coming out of retirement so boring. In, in the next year. They're the most boring boxing matches you'll ever watch. Yeah. It's him running away, running away, running away, the person chasing him around and the ring. And I mean, ring. it's impressive. If you, like, if you watch him dodge punches... It's, like, it's it impossible to hit him. Yeah. I mean, that's his style, is you can't hit me. Yeah. Which is fine, and it's he's fifty and zero. Uh-huh. But that's he's, why he's people don't. Isn't he? He's fifty. Oh, age? No, I, I think he's forty nine and zero. And isn't that he's why he's coming no. back? He's fifty. Okay. The fiftieth was the McGregor. Uh-huh. All right. Which was stupid anyway. Yeah. But he's McGregor never boxed yeah. in his life. <laughs> the fact that that was such a big fight yeah. was silly. But we watched. But that's it. why the sport is dying. Is because that's I don't know if it feels like because of his success that's become the norm. Yeah. Amongst the young fighters, is just don't well, the gr- get hit. I mean, hit. everyone wants to be Michael Jordan, and then you know now everyone's going to want to be LeBron James. Everyone wants to be Steph Curry. You emulate the the person that's the best. Mm-hmm. The people that watch them growing up try and be like them, and so yeah. I mean, I, I don't know when we'll have an, a real another puncher. Three times throughout this fight, where the term "heart of a champion" entered my mind. Mm, yeah, many many times. Because Muhammad Ali stood in there and took punches to his gut from Joe Frazier for 14 rounds. Punch after punch after punch. And the heart of the champion isn't necessarily that you win every fight that you're in. Ali lost. I think, I think he ended up with five losses in his career. He lost you know, more than, than Floyd Mayweather. And comparatively, he lost more than other greats in other sports. He lost a lot of fights. But the heart of the champion that he displayed in this fight wasn't necessarily that he was going to go out there and dominate. It was going to that he, you can come out here and punch me all you want, and I'm not going to stop. Mm-hmm. That, to me, was what the heart of the champion was, that you can punch me a million times, 250 times, literally, 
you can punch me 250 times and I'm going to get you 251. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. That was the heart that he had. And whether or not you watch the fight and you think Joe Frazier, you know, deserved more credit or was a closer match than people thought or whatever, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, he had the heart of the champion to win. And that was what carried him through the rest of the fight. And like we mentioned, it's the interesting contrast between the two of them at the end where Ollie walks back and wants to, wants the gloves taken off and Frazier wants to go back out, mm-hmm. but for the sake of his own life does not. Yeah. And that's just, it's sad that boxing isn't as popular as it once was, but every once in a while you watch things like this and you realize why it's not, mm-hmm. you know? So after the fight, years and years, obviously down the road, if you think about the ramifications, the ripple effects of this, Muhammad Ali, one of the most famous, popular, whatever athletes in the history of America. He's an icon. He's an icon, the greatest. Joe Frazier, after this fight, his I mean, he's a forgotten nothing. man. He's nothing. He's got his gym in Philadelphia that, you know, he's that, still trained at. Everyone's, yeah. I mean, when you watch this HBO documentary, you get an idea of how humble his life is now. Yeah. He's got this little duffel bag full of he cans sleeps of corn in the and gym, soup. Doesn't he? Yeah, he's, I think that's his home. Yeah. He sleeps there, and he's got you know some some soup that uh, Campbell's soup that he warms up and eats for lunch, and he's got cans of corn and stuff like that, and he's got his little duffel bag and this tiny little TV that just his life completely changed after the, after this fight in the completely opposite direction. Yeah. You know the image rights. So Muhammad Ali, if you want to put his image on something, it's like millions of dollars, mm-hmm. and Joe Frazier probably couldn't give his away for free. Yeah. Joe Frazier's answering machine. Do you remember this from the documentary? So his answering, so when you call his phone and he wouldn't answer, it would send it, you know, you obviously go to the voicemail. And this is what he says in his voicemail. And this is to our earlier point about how his pride wasn't that he beat him. His pride was that he he kind of broke him. Yeah. Um, this is what he says. My name is Smoking Joe Frazier, sharp as a razor. And then he kind of laughs, chuckles a little bit, and he says, yeah, he floats like a butterfly and stings like a bee, but I'm the man who'd done the job. He knows. Look and see. <laughs> so his, like, life pride yeah. was that he broke Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Arguable, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not it's true, he lost the fight. But he felt like his his pride was that he broke Muhammad Ali, that he Ali could not knock him out, mm-hmm. which he never did, obviously. So that's... a. Uh, what kind of become had become of Joe Frazier, his life kind of pattered out, mm-hmm. you know, and died peacefully, obviously, a few years ago, I'm sure. But uh, it's just interesting the way that we treat our icons, you know, the, the difference between the way you treat someone who wins and someone who loses. Yeah. And it's that's the difference. Yeah. One person is, you know, widely hailed, lauded, worth hundreds of millions of dollars and is, you know, has a nickname of the greatest. And the other person's essentially forgotten, forgotten, even though at the height of their careers, they were eye to eye with each other. Mm-hmm. And one fight, one loss just changed everything for Joe Frazier. I don't know if we can really do awards. I didn't plan for it because there are only two guys. There's, you know, I guess you could say that the dagger moment is probably the, the mouthpiece. mouthpiece. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. Um, that was the dagger in, in Joe Frazier. Mm-hmm. Any chance he had at winning went out the window after that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we rattled. could do him. Like, I would have the sad be what happened with Frazier's life yeah. after. 
Um, for me, the bad was the the official who like I just felt like if Ali, if it was against the rules for Ali to to hold Frazier behind his neck, there had to have been a consequence significant enough to actually stop that from happening. I never felt like. Ali could Ali did that whenever he wanted the whole fight, and if he shouldn't have been able to do that, I just felt like th- now that, that I think about it, I believe if a fighter commits some sort of infraction, they can they lose give or, or dock points. Yeah, mm-hmm. which obviously only matters if it ends in a decision. Yeah, but yeah, that's probably a good one. And I mean, there's no like MVP, most most valuable, most detrimental player. The, the categories that we usually do. Yeah, yeah, I think the the good was probably the 13th and 14th rounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you ever want to show someone two people willing to wanting to kill each other and willing to die to try killing the other person, just watch 13 and 14. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, that was that's what every every boxing fan longs to see. When you watch Rocky movies, you don't think that that stuff happens. It happened in 13 and yeah, 14. It did. I mean, that 13 and 14 were the inspiration for Rocky. Mm-hmm. I I stand I mean like where it's just one person standing up there taking punches and stumbling yeah. around. and Anything else on this fight? Smoking Joe Frazier. Sharp as a razor. I, you know, that from my whole experience with this, the documentary, the fight, he's the one who's who my mentality about him really changed. Yeah. I already knew what Ollie was and how important, culturally significant he was. My respect for Joe Frazier was founded. Mm-hmm. I guess I never really had any to begin with, but yeah. after watching all of these things, my respect for him has just skyrocketed. Yeah. And I and guess the guts I w- that it took to do what he did. I was a little disappointed in the lengths that uh, the, the lengths that Ali went to to promote the fight. I felt, you know, that kind of soured you a little bit. It, it soured me a little bit, yeah. But either way, a great fight, a great sporting moment in the history of our country and Anybody listening that hasn't, it's only an hour long. If you watch it on YouTube like we did, it's an hour long. Yep. Um, so if you got an hour to spare, it's well worth your time to go watch it. That's it. We're done. Season one. Six months in the making. Finally finished it. Sports Rewind complete. Sports Rewind complete. If this is the first one that you're listening to, please go back. Listen to the first five. There's a lot of good ones in there. Michael Jordan's in there. Vince Young is in there. David Ortiz is in there. Tom Brady. Tom Brady's in there. Christian Leitner's in there. So if this is the first one that you're listening to, please go back, listen to the rest of them. If you like the show, if you like what we're doing, give us a five-star rating. That's the, the number one thing you can do to help us out the most is to give us a five-star rating on wherever you're listening to this podcast. Leave us a review if you want. If you've got great games that you think we should do, and now that you've seen that we, we'll do boxing, we'll do anything that you want. If there's a great sporting event that you think we should do, write us a review, leave it in the review section, say, hey, you guys should do such and such game, and we just might do it. So... Thank you so much for listening to Sports Rewind. We've had so much fun doing this season one. Uh, hopefully we can get some feedback from from friends and from anybody who's listening and, and move forward with season two, hopefully sometime soon. So thank you so much for listening to Sports Rewind. Bye.